Lord, we thank you for allowing us again into your presence this evening. Lord, tonight I would like to speak about and consider the holy kiss. Lord, we've talked about this previously, but I'd like to go in a little bit more detail about the kiss and what it means. And Lord, how it represents the flesh, actually the border of the flesh. And Lord, I pray that it will be helpful to the people. And Lord, I pray that you'll give any correction where it's due by your spirit to make known your truth. But Lord, we pray that people will resist the spirit of falseness and receive the spirit of truth and that they will be able to see the way of the good works through this. We, of course, think of kisses as being honorable. And typically, I mean, when you meet, greet somebody, whether you're a politician or whatever, you kiss them on the cheek or a friend, you're honoring them. And they're honoring you by allowing you to kiss them. And then, of course, there's the kiss of passion and love and all these things. But those are what we call friendly kisses. And even those between people and even those between religious people are not really what I would call a holy kiss and not what the Bible describes really as a holy kiss. And so let's consider how the, dis the disciples are looking at this by looking at examples throughout the scripture is what I'd like to do tonight. And I'd like to point out, and even in the commentaries that the Jewish sages and so on, they say this, that they, they consider the words of God to be described as kisses. So because by kissing the Jewish people, God joined with them, raising them to a level, at least temporarily, at which they could receive the Holy Torah. Now, they did not, please understand, they did not want to receive the words. They did not understand the words. And they rebelled against the words of God. And they did not keep the words of God. And so in Matthew 21, even when Jesus came to make known the words of God and bear witness to them, to the people, they rejected him in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, because of that rebellion, they lost the right of the kingdom. And they will not get it back until it's given to the nation that separates themselves apart from the world by his truth, by his words, which will include the remnant of Israel. And they, of course, will become teachers because they have a right to the words greater than the people, but right now they will not receive the words. They rejected it and it was taken from them and sent away, as it says in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, and also in Acts 28, 28. But in the essence of this, if you go back and what they're getting at is the sages of old, it came down through history that the words of God are like kisses. Why is that? Well, the first off, it tells you in John three thirty four that in his words is the full measure of the spirit of God. And a kiss is wanting good to be done, to honor somebody. And we honor God by receiving his words and doing them by faith, by hearing the word of God and believing in the promises of God that were of good works prepared for the foundations of the world. We give him glory. So that's why the kiss is something more than we expect it to be. It's something more special and we just don't really give a, you know, a lot of attention to the kiss. And I want to bring this up because we're so close to Valentine's Day, which is a day that's very common with the kiss, you could say. So we can maybe understand and maybe appreciate this a little bit more as we go through this tonight. Now, let's start with Paul and Peter. They pointed out that a holy kiss or a kiss of love in the pure language of the King of God are things that are wise. It should be done for a brother in Christ. But why is this actually? What are they really saying? You know, the scriptures, or they say it, is like Romans 16, 16. It says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The set-apart, called-out assemblies of Christ greet you. Now, he's talking about greet one another with a holy kiss, but then he clarifies that it's the set-apart, called-out assemblies of Christ that greet you. And what he's talking about, he, he, remember, People look at this verse and some of the translations will say church. But the Greek word means called out assembly or the assembly of those who follow Christ and do the way of Christ. 
So he's talking about those with the words. The set-apart called out assemblies, as he says in John 17, 17, we are required to set ourselves apart from the world by his truth, which is the word of God. And it's not the entirety of the Bible he's talking about. He's talking about the pure language of the words that enable the good works of God for the glory of God. The entirety of the Bible is the testimony about these words and about the promises of God that they enable. And the words... The Bible is talking about the inheritance and the plan of God. And the inheritance is that we become like little gods. John 10, 34 to 36, John 10, 34 to 36 tells us that those to whom the word comes, they become like a little God, which is the son of God. Because the only God Jesus talks about is the God. So like a little God, meaning under him. But he makes him a little God because he gives him authority to speak the words of his. And, you know, Jesus is equivalent to God because he is the the face and the function of God. He has all authority of, of the God. God is the owner of all things, but Jesus is the implementer of that. You could say kind of like God is the chairman of the board and Jesus is the president and executive order of all things. And there's nobody else on the board of directors except the father and the son it's a kingdom and they are above all that's why Jesus stands at the right hand of the father okay 1st Corinthians 16 20 it says all the brethren greet you greet one another with a holy kiss he's saying a holy kiss now we're going to get into understanding what a holy kiss is we just talked about a holy kiss is symbolic of the word of God there kisses So if you do the way of the words for another person, like give them a cup of cold water, what are you doing? You're actually doing a kiss for them because from your lips or from your hands, you're speaking forth a kiss. But Jesus did something uh, unique that we'll see in uh, John uh, 20, 19 and 23, but also in Luke um, 24, 36, it tells you this, and in Luke twenty four thirty six, it says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be, peace to you. Now, that's very important because that is speaking a holy kiss. That is greeting somebody with a holy kiss, a word of God. And then it goes in John 20, 19. The 23, and we're going to read uh, 19 to uh, 21. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace to be with you. See, did he kiss them when he came in? He says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. No. He said, Peace be with you. It's the same. Because, see, your lips are the are the foundation or the border of your flesh, the movable flesh that speaks forth the words of God. And the border is is all the place where God reigns within. And it's supposed to be holy inside of us. We are to be holy as God is holy. We're to be holy how? By receiving the words of God so we can do these things that enable these things to be done. When he speaks peace to you, his word only comes with the full measure of God's spirit, John three thirty four. So what we do this, when in the way of the words, with the knowledge and understanding of the words, when we speak it forth, we're giving forth the spirit of God. That's a kiss. Because what's it going to do? It, the spirit is going to touch those people. It's going to guide them or it's going to pull on them. It's going to do a work on them. So you're kissing them. You're touching them with the spirit of God. tells you in psalms eighty-five, ten that mercy and truth have met together righteousness and peace have kissed when you do mercy what are you doing you're doing good works for others that they might be led into the salvation and knowledge of truth and when you do truth you're doing the way of the words for them that enables the promises because the spirit goes forth and does what you're asking to be done John 15, 7 says if we follow the Lord and abide in his words, what we desire will be done for us. We can't make these people receive it. 
but we can pour out the Spirit upon them that they might be pulled, the Spirit of truth to pull them, to seek the Lord, to have him pour out his Spirit on them, to receive the knowledge of truth. His Spirit means the authority of his Spirit. Because only by him do we have the authority to call upon the words, to receive the words of God and enter into the Holy of Holies of the Father. He's like washing us with the water of the word so we're cleansed to go into the temple like the, the water baptism. It's like the, the, the Lord's, he says, you've got to be washed by the water of the word. The word is the Lord. And when he says, peace be to you, or you say it for him and he, he accepts it because they turn and then seek the knowledge of truth, he will allow the spirit of God to enter these people to or be with these people to pull them to the truth. And once they become doers of the words, they're going to get to a point where the spirit of truth is enabled to enter them. But we cannot be of the world, John 14, 15, 17, for the spirit of truth to enter us. We got to set ourselves apart from the world, and the Spirit of Truth will enter us and not just be with us. But that's extremely important for us to know in this night, because the Lord is coming. To, he's going to take away the light, but He's going to not harm those of His oil and wine, which means the Spirit is going to stay with them and be in them. Songs one two says, "Let Him kiss me with the kisses of His mouth, for Your love is better than wine." See, Jesus said, you don't love me if you do not hear my words. So if he does the way of the words for them, that's doing the way of love. Paul told us in Hebrews 10, 34 to, or 24 to, uh, to 31, he tells us that at the end time of the end, we must uh, gather together and stir up love and good works for one another. Love is speaking forth the words to enable the good works for others. That's a kiss. That's a holy kiss. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let him kiss me with the words of his mouth. Because his mouth speaks the words of God that are the kisses of heaven. First Thessalonians 5.26 Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12, greet one another with a holy kiss by speaking the words of God for them or doing the word of God to them. It's great. That's why people say Shabbat Shalom, peace be to you. But people don't understand what that means. They don't understand the way of peace. That's the eternal plan of God. What you're saying is let the spirit of the Lord reveal to you his way and his words and his plan. He says, your love is better than wine. Why? It's because of that love, because of speaking the words, that the Spirit is loose to work within these people, to bring them that. It's better for them to, than just drinking a cup of wine. Because when one does it for his brother, it's far better. It's like the sisters. <clears throat> when the sisters, like Rebecca's sisters, when they, she was going to go away, or... Uh, is it Rebecca? Yeah, I think it was Rebecca. When she was going to go away from her, her family, her sisters blessed her and kissed her. They blessed her with a blessing. I can't remember the scripture right now. I should have put it in here. But the bottom line is they blessed her with a blessing that this is the meaning of really a sister. The sister is, may you, I mean, they're speaking a blessing, a kiss to the, to her sister. A holy kiss, basically, saying that may you have children that'll be able to stand in the gates of your enemies. Deuteronomy six four nine, Deuteronomy eleven eighteen to twenty one, shows us the same kind of thing, and David preaches it in the Psalms. If we bring up our children in the way they should go, then they're going to have added years life given to them, and they'll have the knowledge to speak His words in the gates of His enemies, to cause them. To come in. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> in the Song of Solomon, we see the, the same reasoning as Peter and Paul teaching us. You know, the kiss is related to the spirit in us, as I've been saying. Do we use our lips for the kingdom or for our own will? That's the critical. Do we use our lips to speak the words of God or are we using it for our own will? 
You know, I, I've heard so many times over the last 13 years, people say, oh, you're not speaking love in Christ. No, you don't understand what love is. You don't, you're not obeying John fourteen twenty three to 24. You don't love the Lord. You think you do. But if you love the Lord, you would hear the words that he's been calling out for 13 years now. We're in the 14th year. It's going to be 14 finishing in April. And yet the people will not hear. And it's a terrible thing. The 13th year, when it's complete, you're, you're to decide your, your love, who you love. You know, it's interesting that the law of Satan that they go by that was created in 1904 was called the law of Thelema. And it's really just rewritten what has been done all history, the law of Satan. He, he tests you with the law of love, they call it. But that love isn't love. It's a deception of love. We think we love God. We think we love God, but Jesus is going to tell many people who prophesied in his name, many people who um, healed many in his name and cast out demons in his name. He's going to say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That means you don't love him. You haven't kept his law, which is Psalms 119, 142. David summarizes that. The law of truth. He says, his truth is law. His words are truth. John 17, 17, Jesus testifies to so we don't love him like we say. We're not a brother to somebody. You know, speak the words of God to them for good works in them to, to cause the spirit to be with them. Not just from our intent, but by knowledge and understanding. Jesus said he wants us all to be saved and come to knowledge of truth. That's God's desire. Paul said that. Oh, that you were like my brother, it says in Songs 8.1, who nursed at my mother's breast. If I should find you outside, I would kiss you. I would not be despised. See, that is the same as the parables in Matthew 13, where it says in there, if you give a cup of water to somebody, you won't lose your reward. A cup of water is water's correction. A cold cup is cold correction. A cup is the work that they're given to do. So when you say, I, if I should find him outside in the world, in other words, he's, he's been given the, the milk of his mother. That milk is the beginning of knowledge. Isaiah 28, 9 to 13 says, we cannot receive the knowledge of God if we're only weaned on milk. If we're, if we're breastfeeding or only weaned on milk. It has to become because somebody does good for them. The mother's doing good by giving them the milk, which is the base foundation. The father's required to do what? To teach them the words in the house every evening. That's the foundation as start. But here's the, the, the woman, like my brother, like a sister. A sister prepares the way even for a sister. A brother helps a brother come into the knowledge of truth that teach the words in their houses every evening. A sister helps a sister talk about ways to prepare the household so the words of God is poured out to the husband or to the brother. That's why it's so important when there's a first brother. That's why you know, there's like an inheritance, right? Because they're the guide. They're the firstborn. They're required to be set apart to the Lord. It's God is trying to show us his way. We're going to look at something later on tonight, hopefully. I can get to it because it's going to take a little while. When we get to it, it's it's about Moses and his father-in-law, Jethro. You know, do we go by the... It's like when Jethro gives Moses instructions, he starts with the highest numbers and not the lowest numbers. God always starts with a low number first. He takes a messenger, for example. A person sends them. And then they get a few and it grows. Like a mustard seed, It grows. That's not the way of the world. The way of the world is create a lot of chaos and then come to the light at the top. Narrow it down and try to discern the light and guide it. That's the way of the world. That's not. That's the way chaos stays. It doesn't build a foundation of peace and expand. You know, God is the Father is the, the, the vine and Jesus, you know, I mean, Jesus is the vine and the Father is the vine dresser and then we're all the branches. So it started with one, not not the opposite. You know, the, the the way of evil is to conquer everybody, to force them to accept one smaller, smaller, smaller group until there's one at the top who follows the devil because he built it not on peace. He built it on power and might and obstruction. And that, that was a thorn to Moses' side, what his brother, father gave him. Nowhere does it say there that God poured that out. They did the way of the word. They did. They basically were doing the way of church. 
But that's not, he was asking a Midianite priest to explain this. Even though the Midianite priest said what? He's, he said, oh God, I can see that God's the, the way he is. But then he went his own way at the end. He's really saying, Moses let him go because he's going his own way. They never, and, and the thorn that was with Moses all that time was because of these things, they never set aside, they never set aside all the idols. The people never set aside all the idols. And because of that allowance of sin, it's like when they cross the Red Sea, they first have the Amaleks attack them. And that was the devil showing strength and power to attack them. And then come the deceit. He brings his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, in. An important man. And his wisdom that he gave sounded right. But if you pay attention, the numbers are backwards. It's the way of the world. It starts, he starts reading off, oh, you know, set the people over the 10,000s and then the 1,000s and then, and then the little ones. No, God does it the other way, always. Even if you look at the pyramid, it comes down from the top. It doesn't build out of chaos and gild up the light like the Masonic order. That's all wrong. And that was a thorn to Moses' side. They never give that. They always had rebellion in the camp. Because if he, he was judging the people, the Moses, uh, Jethro saw him judging the people, and it was taking him all day. And the answer was not to go in the tent and listen to Jethro. The answer was, take this to God and tell God the problem. Moses did not take it to the Lord. But God is going to let us have our will so that we can learn. At the end of the day, they learn. And Moses did not get to enter the promised land because of frustration. Because at the end of the day, he was so frustrated with them, he struck the rock and said, it's spoken to it. But you know, that was the problem from the beginning. If we would allow God, as we're supposed to at this time, to circumcise our hearts, then everybody will be brought into correction by God. And then there will only be teachers of the word. There won't be teachers over individual things. God will do the correction himself. By the way, the word, if you have a problem, take it to the word and trust the Lord to do the work. Because he says, what you desire be done for you. But we don't do that. We don't follow the Lord, abide in the word and, and desire things. Instead, we do the opposite. We do the world way. We are symbols of the world. God was trying them. They had come to Mount Sinai to receive the word of God. Instead, they set up a governance in a way like the world became a problem. They never entered the promised land. 40 years later, all those people, all these ones that were selected, that Moses selected under Jethro's instruction, all died in the wilderness. Very important to understand that. Consider it in this day when the Lord is telling us he's going to circumcise our heart. We must seek that first and then we can build a foundation because God will be the king and he will be teaching every person not to sin. And then we will gather together and stir up love and good works, not love and judgment. God does the judging. <clears throat> we do it by giving the people the words. But when he separated his kingdom, nobody should lose the words. We should all stir up love and good works so everybody stays on path. And we all learn because he's going to set up judges at the beginning. And his judges do what? He starts with one and then he builds. He doesn't start with 10,000 and build down. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> um, it says King David gives us a warning about the kiss that is very important day of judgment. I wrote in my notes. He tells us this in Psalms twenty, uh, Psalms two, verse twelve. He says, "Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little." Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Where does that go? If you go back to Deuteronomy 18, 18, 19, you'll see the answer to this. The Lord says that he's sending in his son to speak the words and bear witness the words of people. And if they will not hear his words, he will punish them. So when he's saying, kiss the son, speak the words of God for people. Seek the Lord with the words of God. Do the way of the words of God. That's kissing the, the son. Because what does the father say? The father's desire is we all hear him and, and believe in the son. So 
believe in the words of God that Jesus is speaking and do the way of them, lest God be angry. Because he will say in Deuteronomy 18, 19, that in this day he's going to punish us for not hearing. We need to understand that. That is what this law is talking about. Speak the words of God or we will be punished. And we need to understand that very, very critical in this day of the night, day of the Lord, in the night of the day of the Lord, when the separation judgment is going to come because he always seals his word in the night. So you better be kissing the sun at this time. And he's going to rise as a son of righteousness. So if you want to be in his kingdom, you better learn the way of the words and begin, begin doing the way of the righteousness for others or you're going to find this problem. Leave vengeance to God. Do the way of the words. Enable it. He tells us this. Proverbs twenty four twenty six says, He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. Huh? In other words, speaks the words of God with the lips. Because what is? Rightly divide the word of truth. What is the truth? The word of God. John seventeen seventeen. When Jesus talks in Luke seven forty five, he's talking to the pharaohs. I mean, these preachers, not the pharaohs, these rabbis. He was in their house. He says, you gave me no kiss when he entered, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. See, she's kissing his feet, doing the way of the words of God, and she was drying them with her tears and so on because she loved the walk and the path that he was on. But these guys didn't speak one word in the way of the words of God to him, and they didn't even know what the words was. They just kind of stared at him at that. They, they didn't like this woman doing this in their house. But they had no ideas as you gave me no kiss. He said, you, you did not speak the words of God for me when I came in this house. You did not bless me in, by the way of the words. But this woman is blessing me by the way of the words by kissing my feet. Very interesting, no? Kisses given in the way of the word of the spirit releases the spirit to work. It is a flesh upon flesh, but of the lips, it is the way of the spirit of God. Consider the wisdom of Naomi in the way of a holy kiss. It's a great example. Naomi had lost her husband, lost her two sons, and she had two two um, step uh, stepdaughters. What do you call them? Uh, why uh, uh, stepdaughters? I think and um, daughter-in-laws. Put it that way. In Ruth one nine, it's very interesting. What she says to them, she says, the Lord grant you, when she's trying to send them away, she's giving them their choice. It says, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. This is really important. She's granting them, she's speaking the ways of the words. Rest is the way of the Sabbath, the way of the plan of God, the way of the strength of God. Each in the house of her husband. In other words, let her find another husband. She's saying each in the house of her husband, she's declaring they will both be married. So she kissed them and then lifted up their voices and they lifted up their voices and wept. Tears. But there's a lot more to that statement that has been pointed out to you here than what is going on in our minds when we read it. She understood the way of the words. This lady was very righteous in her ways. She knew how to keep a house. How she lost a husband and two sons was for the work of God because from this comes the Lord through the son that she has with Boaz, what Ruth has with Boaz. But it is done by Naomi speaking this great blessing right here in Ruth one nine. Then in Ruth one fourteen it says, Then they, the two daughters, Orpah and Ruth, lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. In other words, Orpah left. She was crying and all those things and tears, but she left her mother-in-law because she had not gotten the knowledge of the words and didn't understand the, the, the Jewish laws and so forth and the blessing of God upon them and that God was with them. You know, she'd, she'd lost her husband. And that's what she's concerned about. But if we would look at this carefully, we'd understand the greatness of what is happening in you know, that God was blessing the moment. And that's what Ruth did. Ruth did what was right. She understood what it was like, and she was determined to go back 
with Naomi. And she clung to to Naomi. And she went back and you know the story. She, she, you know, did the thing with, went through all the hardships and everything else. But at the end of the day, God had a great work for her. She became the mother of one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ. How marvelous that is. Even an ancestor. Uh, she was an ancestor of David, King David, and so on, and Solomon, and on and on and on. Okay, now let's go look at the way of the words in um, the lips in the Tower of Babel. I've explained the Tower of Babel many times. People need to understand what the Tower of Babel is, but the Tower of Babel is representing representing the pure language. <clears throat> God had assigned these people <clears throat> in Genesis 10 the the pure language. I mean, it, it, they already had the pure language from Noah. Noah was righteous in all his things. He understood the pure language. He made the vineyard and taught the wine with the people of the wine and so on. And it's important for us to understand that because through him, we were all blessed, of course. But we need to understand what what it did. I mean, understand that he had the... Uh, 70 nations, God had already given them that, 70 nations. So they had all that before the Tower of Babel. And that's what the purpose of the Tower of Babel is. The Tower of the Babel is that these people didn't want to obey God. What they wanted to make up is their own uh, nation, their own ways. They didn't want to be distributed around the earth like the Lord told them to. Now, I'd like to point out that when God is sending them out with the words, because he gave them their languages, but he was showing us that even in our earthly languages, no matter who we are, we can speak the way of the words of God. That's what this is showing. Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel, they had one pure language. And it didn't matter which earthly language they spoke those words in. It's the fact that they spoke them in the way of the words of the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. We can say truth in any language in the world and still truth doesn't have to be Hebrew. Hebrew wasn't even made at this time, and they had the one pure language. People are going to say, oh, they had the Noahid language. Everybody spoke one language. That's not the language. These people that are creating that story do not know the Bible, evidently. The pure language doesn't matter what earthly language you speak. That's what God is proving, because in Genesis 10, he's telling them. You've got 70 nations, and he split them into their languages. And it doesn't matter which one they spoke, but in each one of those languages, his words were blessed if they would have went where they're going. But instead, they rebelled, and they had one pure language, and they made them like one nation themselves and not be scattered around the earth, which is what they say in Genesis 11, 1 to 5. And because of that, they tried to make the tower and so forth, which was they were building the words of God to use for evil to block the Lord because they could they had the knowledge of the words and great power and a mighty I mean Nimrod was mighty before the Lord mighty hunter it was, it was like mighty hunter you, you see this again with Esau he didn't give a darn about the inheritance of God in his kingdom he was mighty he had the knowledge of the words and he was inheritance of it I mean he had inheritance of it so he was going to create it using a kingdom that's where the you know Shinar is comes from and Babylon and all this comes from that area because what did he do? He raised up his own nation. They didn't scatter around the earth and God got angry. He came down and he changed their lips with, and then he did that. What did he do? He changed the flesh. That's where all the races comes from because the words are symbolic of our spirit and of our lips. And if you read the Hebrew word, it's really lips. As I pointed out in this, text i've shown you the definition it's it's lips the root is lips it's a border the the lips speak the word it's <clears throat> it's interesting today it's like the the bow he says he and he uh opened the sealed judgments revelation 6 1 2 with the writer had a bow <clears throat> and a crown the bow is what his lips speak the words of god the arrows of the you know the lord is the arrow and the quiver of god you can speak the words that's your arrows it's very interesting today that the Crown Trust in England is having its servants <clears throat> create a new law called the Broken Arrow Espionage Law. 
And what that's doing is they can arrest anybody in the world that speaks against them. And they're trying to protect the crown trust. They're trying to protect, they're saying any false story, any any truth. So they're basically, because everything they do is evil, everything they do is by deception, everything they do is by an admiralty law where they twist the words. And so that's what they're doing here. But interesting, isn't it, that the devil has had them call it the broken arrow? Because what is the arrow? The arrow is the words of Christ. And they're they're beginning a religious war. <clears throat> And that espionage says it doesn't matter what country you're in, they can arrest you if you talk against them with a false report, they call it. Well, what's false? They're, everything they say and do is false because they're doing the admiralty law and they're bringing up this. And, you know, you can see the devil. Anybody that sees that should know that this is a religious war. It's against the words of God. That's what they're talking about. They're coming against the Lord whose power is in his words, Ecclesiastes 8.4, because he's the appointed king at this time, and they don't have a right to dominion at this time. And they're going to learn that because God's going to overcome them, destroy them, because this is the time of the fifth beast kingdom gets destroyed, as it says in Daniel 7, 11 to 12. And this is the time when the sons of God must rise up. And what are the sons of God? The sons of God are those who get the words of God. The whole earth is waiting for his people to wake up and receive the knowledge of his words. Now, at the tower, that's what it says. It says, uh, let's just read verses 6 and 7. It says here, it said, um, well, I'm going to read 5. Go from 5 down so I put my notes here. It says, but the Lord came down to see the city. A city is a way of a people, and the tower is the, is the strength that they're building, which the sons of men have built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. People are one, meaning even though he sent them, split them up into 70 nations, gave them instructions, and gave them the blessing. When those pure words are put attached to those languages, he's given them the authority to speak those languages in that land that they've given them because he's assigned them land all over the earth. And he's given them authority to speak up blessings from that language that they're given. It's anointed by God. He gave it to them. It's his pure language in that language. But they decided to do something else with it. They didn't want to be scattered around. So they had the one language, even though, you know, they speak it in many languages. They're speaking the words of God in whatever language they have. And what it does is it brings forth his good works. He says, now nothing that they propose will be held withheld from them. Because, they, you know, they've united themselves. And remember, that's what the Lord's saying. This time he's going to create a nation. Matthew 24, uh, 21, 43 to 44, to receive the kingdom. So all of us are together as one to receive the kingdom, but anoint him as king, anoint him as the judge, anoint him as the ruler, and do not follow any nimrod. The Lord will rule over his people with a rod of iron at this time, so that we can be refined, so that our hearts can be circumcised and all the darkness cut out of it. He says, then, and this is what they begin to do now, now nothing to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be held withheld from them. So come, when, we, when God says come, it means all the particles, everything obeys him. Let us go down and there confuse their language. In other words, take away the one pure language. Take away their right to the words, which is what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, because they're of the world. They are not of the, the, the kingdom on earth that God was setting up with the 70 nations. No, they wanted to be one. So they got one way. They're following the devil's way, which is out of chaos. They'll be one with light. It's false light that brings them to death and destruction. So he changed their, their, changed their lips. So the Lord scattered them abroad from their, there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the lips of all the earth. The, the language, it's the words, it's also the physical form. Confused it. Because they wouldn't go to where they were going to do, now he made them different races. So they even show that they're different from one another, that they cannot unite as one at that time. Because they were trying to be one flesh. And that's why he said, they are one.
I would like to point out that when we're talking about they are one, the interesting thing about what happened in the Tower of Babel is reflected in John fourteen fifteen to 17. Because what it's showing us there, and also in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, what it's showing us there that those of the world can no longer receive the pure language. In other words, you cannot receive the authority of the pure language to speak it in power unless you're set apart from the world. These people had the pure language, but they misused it. And this is all 70 nations, says all the earth was one. It says in Genesis 11. So what he's saying there is all the people had used it for wrong. And so he took away the ability of them to have the authority over the promises of God's good works that it enabled. Unless they were set apart into the kingdom of heaven. That's why it says now in John fifteen seven that we must follow the Lord, abide in the Lord, and then abide in his words. And then we'll have what we desire. Because after the power of da- uh, Tower of Babel, that changed. They had the words and they misused them. So he confused all the nations on earth. He took that away from them. That was the law that he created at that time right there because they had misused the words. And he took it away. Okay, let's go on from there because we could spend a long time uh, going on that further. Um, we we can also... Um, let me just do something here. My computer had crashed and I had to stop for a second and come back up. So I'm sorry about the little delay there. Uh, but I'm having trouble with this particular computer. And it's my favorite one, of course. <laughs> so um, let's go on for but something else. We'll go on uh, to talk about other ways of the words uh, that are going on at this time, which will help us. Um, I went through the the sons of Genesis. And I've told you, it, it's shown to us in uh, Genesis 10, uh, 6, um, that they have the the words, um, 10, 1 to 5, I see, no, 10, 6. And then it's also shown to us in um, Genesis 10, 20, and in uh, Genesis 10, 31. These are the, all the nations received the words, and then he summarizes again in Genesis 10, 32. That's telling us before Genesis 11, they all had the pure language and he'd already given authority because Genesis 11 is telling us they're rebelling against being distributed into these nations, the 70 nations that the Lord had structured for them. So that's where that is. Let's go on now. Okay, many people think that they know the meaning of a kiss, but they're not truly walking in the way of his truth which is like Tower of Babel. They're not walking in the way of the Lord. They totally ignored him. They wanted their own will and their own way and developed their own love for each other. So it says, an example is Laban who continuously used deception in his speech. Even though he was a religious man against the peoples of his nation, amongst the people of his nation, not against, <laughs> um, he scolded Jacob for not letting him kiss his children. And this is the devil using a law of God, but to, but but then twisting it for the real intent of his action in the use of talking about a kiss. You, you see this in, uh, well, let me just read you Proverbs 27, 6, because it tells you kind of interesting there. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, Laban was really an enemy of Jacob because he really wanted to keep his daughters and everything. He thought everything was his and, and that basically by his words and by his worshiping his idols, he could keep uh, Jacob under his trance. But God had a work for Jacob and uh, Laban didn't care about that. He only cared about his own needs and his own prosperity. And when he came up and caught up with Jacob, he, he said this, remember when Jacob fled uh, with his families and all of his belongings and everything? It said, uh, Laban says, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. Now consider, he's twisting. You know, God knew that this man would not let him go if he didn't go. Laban would not allow Jacob to flee. And Jacob said that to his wives. They all agreed and they all left. But unfortunately, one of his wives took um, the idols. So we had that issue. But here he is. He's saying that, you know, the law of God is that you must respect your parents. And a, 
husband must respect the in-law's parents. You must honor them. So you can kiss them, you can do a lot of things, but you have to do it in the ways of the words of God. If you're kissing them and uh, seeking that they'll be turned to the truth, that's one thing. Kissing them just as a friendship without anything, that's just a kiss, but that's not really helping. We need to do it in the way of the words. So even if you give them a kiss, like physically because they're family, which is what Laban's really talking about here. If Laban would have caught up with him, he'd have never let him go. Jacob knew that, and the daughters knew it too. Um, and the daughters knew that he wouldn't leave, leave with anything, so they took what they had. So he used it, uh, pointing out as he's using a kiss falsely, foolishly, as he said. He said it was foolish of Jacob because he knew that Jacob had the law of God as you honor your parents. And even in, you know, they preach that in all the Catholic Church and the rest of it. In Catholic Church, I'm talking about as pagan because you look at what they're doing. The Eucharist and you know, all these other things and the use of the, the buildings and everything else and the, the way they use the live birth records to steal the souls of the people and the obelisk they got in the center of the Vatican, which enables them that power to do those things. That's all paganism. That's all occultism. That's empowering by the evil spirit of God. Not the evil spirit of God, the evil spirit of the devil, the dragon. And they worship the dragon. They are owned by the Crown Trust, which has dragons all over the city. That's what I'm talking about. And then at the end of it, though, after they'd done the thing and raised stuff, Laban did uh, kiss his sons and daughters and bless them and departed and returned to his place. And that's good. A blessing spoken over a child by anybody is good, if it's a blessing. And a kiss given in friendship is great. But that's not giving it in the way of the words of God is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Kisses have power for when they speak with the words of God by his authority, then they have the power of the king of the kingdom of God. And that is and is to come. And whose time for dominion over the earth has now come? That's our Lord. Deuteronomy, I mean, the whole thing of the book of Revelation and the beginning of it with the judgment and the opening of the first seal judgment showed us that the Lord had the scroll, the seals. And at the end of that seals, he's to be king, but the whole process is from the beginning. He released the bow and the crown, which means, hey, release me. Come, enable me to be king over your lives and everything will be good. But we're not doing that. We're not even listening to that. All we want him to do is do something like rapture us out of here. We don't want to do the work that's prescribed of us in the Bible that we must do. Joel 2, 12 to 20. Revelation 15, 1 to 4. We have to overcome the beast. The mark of the beast, the number and image of the beast. The number of his name. The number of his name is the work, the measurement of his name. We have to understand that his, when we talk about the number of his name, we're talking about there's a time measure that God put on everything, and all the particles have a time measure. We have went past the time measure for the Satan. He's been cast down to earth to test us, but the minute we step apart from him, he has no power and authority because the words of God have brought his power to an end. The measurement is done for him. It says he's going to perdition. Yes, he can test the people for all that time, but the minute they step out of the out of the world and into the kingdom of God, they come under the sheltering hand of the Lord. And God will bring them through. What he says in John five twenty four, if you hear the voice of hear the voice of the Lord, which means discern his words and believe in the promises of the good works of the Father, you'll pass through these judgments and you'll have eternal life. Pretty good. And remember that the power of the Lord, which he's talking about, he's talking about in, in Ecclesiastes 8. It's, it's very interesting there. It says, who is the wise man and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the sternness of his face is changed. In other words, the grumpy person, the anger person goes away when the words of God enter them with wisdom. And that's what it says in Daniel 2, 3. Many people, Daniel 12, 2 to 3, many people are going to shine like the firmament of heaven. And like the stars forever, because they're going to get rid of all that anger and everything else. They're going to come to the kingdom of God and they're going to love one another and trust in the word of God, because when they trust in the word of God, they're set apart and they have eternal life. It's guaranteed to them. And they know their outcome and they don't worry about the day because they know the kingdom is at hand. <clears throat> it says, 
I say, keep the the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not be hasty to go deal with the world. Do not go deal with these people in Washington, as he says in Revelation 18, 1 to 4. Get away from them. Get away from the governors. Get away from the fornicators, the merchants, and the rest of them are walking in the way of the world. It's time to obey and seek the people to come to to be sanctified so that we can have the sacred assembly, which he tells us at the end of that sacred assembly, he's going to intervene for us. Don't you want that? And bring forth the kingdom of God, which is joy and happiness and blessing and prosperity like you've never seen before, but you think the prosperity is in the way of the world. No, it's not. It's going to come to nothing. The the economy is going to totally collapse, I promise you. The world wants to do that. The devil's work is to destroy us all, and he does it in the way of the world. And the economy is the way, and our economy is based on a false fiat currency. So it's going to end. Okay, then he goes on and says, Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Whatever the evil one does, the crown trust and all the rest of them does that because that's the Masonic way. The Masonic order is, you know, the law of Thelema. Love one another. Love one another and take advantage of them. Steal everything they got. Kill them. Destroy them. Take their property. It's like King Ahab and Jezebel. Take the guy's property because you can. You're king. You can kill him. Who's going to judge you? Who's going to take you to court? See, admiralty law, what people don't understand, you know, they talk about suing these people and they talk about suing this and you never see the result come. You never see them sue even uh, bringing the court, these uh, movie stars and everybody else doing drugs because they are symbols. They want people drawn into it. It's a lure. But the judges and all that and stuff, they get away with everything. Did Bill Clinton really get punished for Monica Lewinsky? He's having all kinds of affairs and so was Hillary. So is George Bush and all these other ones. Many people are doing this stuff. But under the admiralty law, the divine, the elite, cannot be sued. and They cannot be arrested. That's why Soros and Rockefeller and all these, Buffett, Monsoor and Kofi Annan and all these people get away with murder, get away with theft, oppression, evil, sodomy, all these things that they do in their meetings and stuff. I don't know if all of them are doing it, but... You know, all of the different things like sodomy and that, but they're all evil. They brought forth the Islam. They don't care about Islam. They're bringing forth the Noahide Covenant Law, the one that they're writing, which is going to be the world religion, all the nation be drawn into. Read the Club of Rome, Sustainable Earth Plan, which is chaired by the, the Prince of Belgium, who's now King of Belgium, who's part of the seven major families of the Crown Trust. And they're underneath the instructions of the Rothschilds and the Queen, who had it all. Okay, let's go on from there. It says, where the word of a king is, and Jesus is our king, that's the objective. When he gave the scroll and opened the bow, he's saying, speak the words of God, and the fullness of the Spirit of God comes. And he tells us in Daniel 7, 9 to 14, this is the time when we're to anoint him as king. Daniel 9, 24 tells us we are required to anoint him as king at this time. It is our work. That's what the purpose of the 70th week is all about. But we will not hear him. What are we waiting on? He said he's going to take away their their dominion for a season and time. He's going to do that, but we didn't do it. We didn't hear him. We didn't obey Joel 2, 12 to 20, even though we've been calling it out. Who can come against the Lord? Nobody. His word is the kiss he's trying to give us. He's been calling it out from heaven. Proverbs 1, 20 23 tells you about it. Verses 24 to 31 tells you what's going to happen if you don't receive it. Look at what it, it said in First Kings 18.21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Why? Because they had idols everywhere. We, America. We got idols on our currency. We got idols on our mercantile trade center, which oversees our, our food. And look at the Capitol building of Missouri, which one of the head states of you know, food growth, which is critical to us. And then you got the statues and the gods and the Statue of Liberty, which is a pagan goddess of, that takes away liberty. All these things empower evil. And so we say, oh, we're, we're not following Baal. That is Baal. Baal is the fact of anything to get what you want. 
say anything, do anything, ignore what is evil, but twist it so that you can get what you want and still say, oh, I'm, I'm speaking the words of God. That's why God says in Matthew seven twenty one to 23, these people are lawless. The ones who called, you know, people who called, uh, prophesied in his name, called, uh, cast out demons in his name and healed many in his name. Since there are going to be many of them are lawless because they would not hear the word and they do not see that they're worshiping Baal. We, America, worship Baal in all of our churches because we're 501c3, we're doing fiat currency, and nowhere is his words being taught. You can't follow the Lord if the goal of the Lord during the time of the day of the Lord, which opens with the, the bow being given, which is the mouth, speaking the words of God, which is the arrows of God, if we will not seek those arrows and speak those words, then what are we doing? We're not following God because that is God's will. God's will is that the light into the world in the evening of the day of the Lord, which is the beginning of the day of the Lord. Zechariah 14, 7, Psalms 119, 130 says, the entrance of his words gives light, gives understanding to the simple. It was his words he opened up, which is the knowledge of truth, which is what he said in Hebrews 10, 26 to 27. But we will not hear him. We will not believe. And so we're in this problem. He says, um, you know, you have the, the famous thing where Judas Curse the Lord, of course. You know all about that. I'm not going to even go on to it. But in there is saying, he is the one. In other words, and, and the Lord said to him, you know, jo Judas told the people uh, in Mark 14, 44, he says, now his betrayer had given them a signal saying, well, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. See, he's like a Masonic order. He wants to have, establish his own way. He wanted to force Jesus to be king and take a, make a kingdom on earth in the way of the world. Because that's what he knew and that's what he desired. And he was profiting because you know, he was stealing from the treasury anyway. And then, but Jesus says to him in John, Luke 22, 40, 48, he says something very important. Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? Think about what he's saying. Are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? What is the son of man? The host to whom the word comes. And to those who have the word comes, the words come only in a full measure of the Spirit. So this is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit of God. Betraying with a kiss. By doing the way of the words in reverse and for evil, you're doing the way of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because you're using his words like the people of the Tower of Babel and they got punished. They, were, they didn't get punished as bad as we're getting punished at this time because we're going to be punished greatly because we have all those experiences and testimonies available to us. So our punishment will be greater. <clears throat> Esau kissed Jacob when he came to him. Esau raced to him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. But remember that Jacob had bowed down seven times to the ground before he got to him. But when you when Jacob uh, Esau fell upon the neck of Jacob and kissed him and they wept. Well, the thing about it is, is when you kiss somebody, you're actually speaking your spirit to them. And Esau's spirit was desiring to come into union with Jacob at that time. It would not stay because Jacob knew it. That's why he didn't follow him. It doesn't say that Jacob kissed him. Jacob did what was really good for him. He bowed down to the earth seven times on his way to him, blessing him that the earth would bring forth good for him. But kissing somebody who would not receive the truth as he knew he wouldn't because Jacob wanted to take his life and God had given him guidance and protection. He knew he'd be okay. So it's very interesting the way that went. You have to think about that a little while. And, you know, you see the same thing with Absalom when he was trying to take over the kingdom. He deceived David. He got Joab to make a petition to the king to allow him to come in. Uh, to him again so he went back to the kingdom and he then went out and stood by the gate of the city and you know he would talk to the people you can read second uh, samuel 15 1 to 6 because i'm running out of time here but it says there and so it was whenever anyone came near to, to bow down to him that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him in this manner absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Abraham, so Absalom, not Abraham, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel so he could build up a people that favored him because he always said to them, oh, I would, if I was in charge, I would give you a good judgment. I would help you. Oh, that's a politician of America today. 
of all of Europe today, of all the places today. That is the way it is. That's why the Lord says, come out from these fornicating with the devil, because what was Absalom's real plan? Eventually to take over the kingdom from his father. That was his goal. And he got the father to take him back and give him a kiss. He even kissed him. But Absalom did him in. Um, and when, you know, you have the famous kiss of Joab in Second Samuel 20 and 9 where he went up to Amasa and he says, are you in health, my brother? He's talking to him like a brother. And then Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. Remember the beard, symbolic of the hair, the words that you've spoken? So he took him by that to kiss him. And what did he do? He took the sword and he'd hidden it in his hand and the guy didn't see it and he stabbed him and killed him. And then he didn't even have any mercy. He cut the stomach open, his entrails filled out, but he died without mercy because he didn't try to kill him after that. I mean, he didn't go ahead and murder him. He allowed him to die in pain with his entrails sticking out. Thus he died, it says. Anyway, let's go on to Hosea 13, 3. It's, it's like uh, 13, 1 to 3. It's like when Ephraim, this is talking about Ephraim, uh, was trembling. He exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended through ball worship, he died. What he's talking about here is uh, Rehoboam, um, or, with Jeroboam, I'm sorry, had zeal uh, for the omnipresent, and he spoke harshly against Solomon. And trembling because Solomon was a great king. He exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended through Baal worship, he died. See, he was fear of God, fear of uh, the power of Solomon uh, worshiping God and God's behind him. But then when he got his chance to be king, he changed him into molded images and idols. And then they even said of the people of uh, Israel, I think of Judah, he's saying this, you know, because they split the nations at that time. And he says, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. In other words, not get the knowledge of the words of God, but only get the knowledge of milk. And it says, therefore, they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chaff off from a flashing floor and like smoke from a chimney, and you can understand what I'm trying to say there if you read Isaiah 28, 9 to 13. Okay. Um, then uh, there's there's a lot of other verses on there. I, I've already talked to you about uh, the thing from Exodus 18, which was Moses going to meet his father-in-law. When Moses went out to meet, you know, when Moses went to Egypt, he had evidently, when after he met Aaron, had sent his wife and two sons back to her father to stay with them until they came out. And then after they came out in, in Exodus 18, when they got to uh, Sinai, um, his father-in-law brought his family. And his father-in-law sent a message to him that he should come out to greet them. So here he's, you know, governing all these people, one, you know, more than a million and some people, but he wants, the father-in-law wants him to come out and honor him by coming out to greet him. And then leading him in to the place. And so Moses goes and heeded the voice of his father-in-law who was a priest of Midian. So here you have God's leader coming and to bow down to his father-in-law. And Moses um, did that. He came out and he, uh, it says in basic scriptures, prostrated himself and kissed him. So he's bowing down to the Midianite guy. And I've explained to you earlier what he did when he followed the way of the, of the priest. Many people think that the priest got saved and so forth, but I don't think so because he didn't stay with them. If he wanted to stay with them and understand the power and the glory of God and be, be of his kingdom, but no, he left and went back to his own way. He went back to his idol worship, of, you know, being a priest in his own right. He wasn't going to step down to Moses, his son-in-law, and he set up a strong, bad instruction that most people say was so mighty and so good, but it wasn't. It was the root of what caused the problem of why Moses couldn't enter the promised land. So you've got to be careful when you, when you go to kiss somebody. 
It's one thing. You shouldn't prostrate yourself before them and, and bow down before them. You know, that's nice that he was honoring him and so forth, but he never when he got the instructions from Midian, uh, from Jethro, did he consult God. And, you know, they broke bread and they prayed and stuff like that. But when he got the instruction, Moses didn't take that before the Lord. He just assumed it's good. But he, he was prostrating himself to a Midianite. And he shouldn't have done that. In my mind, I think it very clearly points it out in the scriptures. And I've heard other rabbis and, I mean, other preachers, uh, other rabbis come up with a, a few, I'm saying, come up with the same concept. That is what led me on to it and to really understand it. And it's the fact that he didn't do the way the words. He didn't enable it. See, he was judging all the people taking all day and he was tired. But nowhere did he go to the Lord to get the Lord's instruction, even though he was in the presence of Mount Sinai, where he said the Lord had told him he's going to come back there to be there with him. He didn't seek him to get the understanding of how to govern these people, which is an instruction that Solomon did. Instead of asking for things, what he did was he asked the Lord, give me the wisdom to judge these your people. Give me the wisdom. Moses was putting it off to others and doing it that way. He did it with Aaron. He did it with um, other people. So we see the problem that developed. And we had the Korah problem, all these problems of people always trying to take over. Because he didn't get the key point that we must get at this time. God is looking for us to anoint him as king and let him build it upon his foundation by circumcising our heart and getting rid of the darkness in us so the foundation is always light and not darkness. Then we can build his kingdom. That's why we must have a sacred assembly and allow the Lord to enter us and cleanse us of our sins and cleanse us of our selfish ways and the ways of the world. We've got to get out of that. I thank you for your time. and I pray that this will be a useful message to you this evening. And I hope that it will be helpful. Lord, please use this for good works. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 